Welcome to episode 19 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, this land was made for you and me and 132,000 acres of redwood trees in the Redwood National and State Park. Next, we share our top five tips for planning backpacking trips in the national forests. On the Summit Gear Review, we'll show you a first aid essential that's lighter than a Band-Aid. For the backpack hack of the week, you'll learn a simple trick to reduce pack bulk. And we'll wrap up the show with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, writer and anthropologist Richard Nelson. All this and that's about it today on the first 40 miles. Spring break is right around the corner for our family. And uh, so we've been planning a trip. We've got four kids plus the two of us and we want to go backpacking. And so we've been trying to figure out where to go. We've decided to head down to the Redwoods in Northern California as our destination. And uh, just because we've been doing some research and trying to plan for the trip, we thought it would be helpful to kind of talk through some of the decisions that we've been making and some of the uh, information that we've been gathering just to help uh, those who are listening to get a sense of how that process works when you're planning a, a backpacking trip. One of the big challenges for planning this trip is that it's really easy to find car camping. You just go to a national park or state park website and you can see the campground map, pick your spot, make your reservation, you're done. It's really built to make it easy. But if you want to go backpacking, you have to do a little more digging and research because when you're out backpacking, half the time you're not even going to be in a quote-unquote campsite that's been developed or maintained um, by the government. It's just a spot on the trail where you can pitch a tent. And so there's no map for it. There's no reservation system. It takes a lot more research to make a backpacking trip happen compared to making a car camping trip happen. And so that's, I think, the the first big challenge that we've been trying to approach as we plan this trip to the Redwoods. Another challenge that we've faced as we've been planning this trip is um, how to include some of those things that we want to experience. We know we'll be near tide pools, so we want to make that a part of the trip. We know we'll be near big trees, so we really want to give our children that big tree, tiny person experience where they just feel in awe by these uh, huge trees around them. We want to make sure that we see some of the sites in the national park and have that iconic national park experience. And we really want to give our kids some of those wow moments that, that you really can't plan. You just have to make the schedule available so that they can have those moments. And the other factor that we're keeping in mind is that we're going to be visiting the Redwoods during the rainy season. We're trying to figure out how we can have kind of a plan A plus a plan B so that if it rains nonstop all week, where are we going to take the kids so that they can still have a memorable, enjoyable experience? Right. So it might be a backpack plus cabin, kind of a half and half experience. Yeah. Yeah, it might be. 
Well, Heather, as we started uh, researching this trip, one of the kind of light bulb moments for you was when we looked at national parks versus national forests. Yeah, I had that moment. I actually called the national park, the Redwood National and State Park, and talked to a ranger there. And and he kind of explained the purpose of the park and kind of some of the restrictions and some of the opportunities. And he was really great, gave me lots of good information. Then I called a national forest that was just to the east of the Redwoods and talked to a ranger there and had a totally different conversation with him just about the openness of the national forest. There's dispersed camping. You can stay longer. You can just have a more wilderness experience. So I realized then that the purpose of the national parks and the purpose of the national forests are totally different. Right. I think the national parks are kind of the Disneylands of outdoor adventure. The features are easy to get to. It's it's meant to accommodate mass amounts of people. Right. There's things that you're going to see for sure at the park, like you're going to walk up to a certain spot and and they've got it all perfectly set up to see, you know, that thing. Uh, And so you have these uh, icons that you'll experience. But it's all sort of, it's all structured for you. And then with the national forests, that's the true wilderness area. And if you're getting into backpacking, it's really a good idea to also look at the national forests. So what we're thinking about is because the park and the forest are literally adjacent to each other, we'll probably be able to spend some time in both. We can catch those iconic experiences from the national park and see the huge redwood trees, the tide pools down at the ocean, things like that. And we can get some wilderness time in the national forest to get out with our backpacks on, uh, get to a backcountry camp, and get that experience as well. So the national forest that's next to the Redwoods is called the Six Rivers National Forest, and it's directly to the east of Redwood National and State Park. Within that national forest, within the Six Rivers National Forest, we found the Smith River National Recreation Area that's more designed for um, a backpacking experience that will give us some good trails and some nice dispersed camping and things like that. Yeah, so we're still working on the plan for this trip. But so far, we are looking at, there's one backpacking trail that's within the national and state park boundaries that would be a couple miles, and then there's a backcountry camp that's established there, and there's a, there's a spot to put your food in a bear-proof container uh, there, and, and fire pit, and uh, a pit toilet, you know, those kinds of amenities. That's one option that we're considering. And then we're also considering a couple of different trails in the Smith River National Recreation Area. And uh, the challenge with those trails is that we haven't yet figured out how to identify where the camping spots are along those trails. And so if we can figure that out, we may choose one of those trails for the backpacking portion of our spring break trip. Yeah, I think if we just find a few trails that we want to do, we can probably look up trail reports online or even call a ranger at the National Forest and get some more information. So it's a fun trip coming up, and uh, we'll, we'll try to keep you um, posted with, uh, at, you know, as our planning progresses. And then, of course, we'll have to tell you about the trip itself once we've done it.
Well, that leads perfectly into our top five list for this week, the top five tips for trip planning in the national forests. So the United States Forest Service is an agency of the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and they take care of the 154 national forests and the 20 grasslands, and it encompasses 193 million acres. So the number one tip for trip planning in the national forests is to start your search at fs.fed.gov. It is the perfect launching point for finding that next backpacking trip that you'll be going on. It's just so full of resources. They have interactive maps and those maps have drop-down menus where you can really drill down and find exactly what you're looking for in the region where you're searching. And when you go there, you'll be able to kind of drill down to a particular area and then pick a particular national forest or national grassland or recreation area and, and then explore within there. Well, the number two tip for trip planning in the national forest is to start keeping notes on those areas that you want to explore. Once you've kind of narrowed down what state you are going to be exploring in, then you'll want to drill down and find different national forests within that area that you'll be in. Not all activities are allowed in all areas of the national forests. National forests are kind of a multi-use land. Sometimes there's cattle that graze on that land. Sometimes there's fishing, there's equestrian activity, there's backpacking. Lots of different activities are a part of the national forest. But if you go to the website and then click on the link that says recreation, then you can drill down even further. You'll want to click on the hiking link after that. And then that brings you to a page where you can click on backpacking. And that's how you'll find out what those opportunities are for backpackers. After you've clicked on the backpacking link on the website, then you'll be able to see the ranger districts and find out what trails are a part of each ranger district. And there could be lots of different ranger districts within an area in a national forest. So the great thing about those ranger districts is that each one has a ranger that has stewardship over that area. And that leads us to tip number three. Tip number three for trip planning in the national forests is to use the phone number and call that ranger district office where you're looking at going. They've got a wealth of information that they can share with you. Um, Heather, you mentioned this a few minutes ago as we were planning for our trip to the Redwoods. Uh, you called to the uh, district office there in the National Forest and uh, got some great information. How did that conversation go? Well, it was fantastic. Rangers are on site, so they know the area so well. They know the trails. They know the trail conditions. They know water sources. I mean, you can ask them almost anything, and they'll know that trail or that area like the back of their hand. I mean, rangers are such an incredible resource. And especially if you call with specific questions, they can really give you those answers that maybe even the guidebooks don't even have. And they can give you up-to-date information. The motto for the United States Forest Service is caring for the land and serving people. And nowhere is that more evident than when you talk to a forest ranger. They really focus on serving the people and making sure that you have a great experience in their stewardship land. They really want to answer questions and help 
connect you with those recreational opportunities on their land. And tip number four for planning your national forest trip is to read trail reports. Yeah, trail reports are a great resource because you get information. It's by people not associated with the Forest Service, but you're getting information from a lot of different sources. People who've been on the trail, who may have noticed things, may have recommendations, may have little insights that maybe the forest rangers might not have. So once you've narrowed down the area that you'd like to go to, then you can really get down to those fun details and see what other people have written about those specific hikes. And they may also have tips on dispersed camping options and um, other information about water availability as well. The trail reports are really fun to read because they're just uh, other people like yourself that have gone out there and they bothered to take a few minutes to write up their experience and share some insights that they had. Yeah, and it's, I mean, they always throw in little interesting details about, you know, maybe things that aren't even relevant to the trail, but it's always a great story, a great read. So I really enjoy trail reports. Yeah. Well, the number five tip for planning your national forest trip is to get online maps from their website. They have a ton of map resources on their website. Um, there are maps that you can print off for free. You can also order maps from their website. And like I said before, they have interactive maps on their website. They also have a map app. And this is run by a company called Avenza, A-V-E-N-Z-A. And it's the Avenza map app. So is this, this is an app using Forest Service mapping, but it's put out by a private company? I believe so. Cool. Well, it should be fun to check out. It's just another map option out there. Yeah, great. So there's our top five list for planning your trip in the national forests. Start with number one, going to fs.fed.gov. Keep notes on the areas you want to explore and start to drill down. Call the ranger district, get some information straight from the source. Read up on trail reports and check out the maps. That's right. And the Forest Service goal is to sustain the health diversity, and productivity of the nation's forests to meet the needs of present and future generations. One of those needs is recreation. Now, for being a government agency, they have done a really great job of uh, being free from scandal. But one of the interesting things I found was in the 90s, they got into some trouble when they provided some surplus military aircraft to private contractors for use as air tankers. Air tankers are used for fighting fires, which is a big part, like a huge part of the Forest Service budget. But these planes that they uh, gave to people weren't used for that. They got a little bit off course and uh, uh, they weren't doing air shows, that's for sure. <laughs> anyway, there's, an, there's a really interesting wiki page about it. So if you're interested in a little bit of scandal, you can go check out the wiki page. Um, on the Forest Service, and there's a link to this air tanker uh, scandal. Wow, that's funny. <laughs> well, you know, the fact that there's just like this one scandal that kind of pops out, and it was decades ago, really, like you say, that really says something about the Forest Service, that they do a great job Yeah. and provide a great service to the country. Definitely my favorite government agency. Yeah. <laughs> All right, are we ready for the Summit Gear Review? I think so. All right. Well, today's Summit Gear Review is the Fever Scan Liquid Crystal Thermometer. I know what you're probably thinking. It just seems impractical and 
ridiculous to bring a thermometer on a backpacking trip, but this review might change your mind. When you're outdoors, you really are just exposed to the elements, and temperature change happens in the blink of an eye on the trail, and sometimes that can lead to some pretty serious health problems. There's hypothermia, there's heat stroke, and on top of just being exposed to the elements, you're also exposed to maybe some riskier situations that could lead to fever. So this fever scan liquid crystal thermometer is actually about as thin as a piece of paper. If you are a, a fish owner, you may have one of those liquid crystal thermometers kind of on the outside of your tank so you can see the temperature of your fish tank. This is very similar to that, but it's in a range that's more for humans, not for fish. <laughs> the great thing about this is it's unbreakable. Even though it's a liquid crystal thermometer, there's no liquid in it, so you have no risk for leaking liquid. It's quick reading, and it will give you a general temperature range. So think of it kind of like a mood ring for your forehead to kind of, you know, get your temperature. Um, and you actually just place this thermometer right on your forehead, and it will tell you what temperature range you're in. It weighs nothing, literally. I uh, weighed it on my scale, and it didn't register in the grams or the ounces. So Wow, so this is the first product that we can say, it literally weighs nothing. And the incredible thing is that it literally weighs nothing with the packaging. So it has this little piece of paper that kind of describes what it does and how to use it. And it has the thermometer in there and then it comes in this little plastic sleeve. So with all of that, it weighed nothing. As far as maintenance goes, you'll just wanna clean it with a soft cloth um, just to kind of keep dirt and grit off of it after you're done using it. Keep it in its little plastic protective sleeve. And then of course, store it out of sunlight or direct heat. Well, how much does it cost? Well, if you're interested in buying one of these, it's $5 on Amazon. However, I went on AliExpress a few months ago, and that's where I bought mine, and it cost a whopping 86 cents. Plus $10 shipping? Plus free shipping. Wow, all the way from China. All the way from China. It works. It stays in my first aid kit. It doesn't have batteries, and so there's no risk of it dying on the trail. I'm glad that I have this really simple first aid item in there. So I was wondering, can it be used for measuring temperatures other than body temperature? Like fish temperatures? <laughs> Maybe not fish temperatures. Bear like temperatures? The outside temperature or um, uh, the temperature of your hot cocoa. <laughs> <laughs> See, you're thinking multi-use. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I bet you could stick it in your hot cocoa. As long as you like body temperature hot cocoa. Oh, yum. Yeah, it, it goes from 95 degrees Fahrenheit to 104 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's a pretty narrow range or um, 35 Celsius to 40 Celsius. So that's the Fever Scan liquid crystal thermometer. We'll put links in the show notes, but you can find it on Amazon and super cheap on AliExpress. Well, what do you have for the backpack hack of the week? It's good stuff. If you've ever purchased the freeze-dried food pouches, um, sometimes they contain a lot of extra air. Yeah. And even though air weighs nothing, sometimes you don't feel like packing air in your backpack. Oh, it takes space. It does. So if you want to make those bags compress down and take up less volume in your pack, I have a simple trick for you. Near the top of the bag, 
poke a small hole with a pin and then press the air out and seal the hole with clear tape. Well, you've done it again. Another amazingly simple backpack hack. We'll leave you with a little trail wisdom from our good friend on the trail, Richard Nelson. And actually, while I was researching this quote, um, there were a few Richard Nelsons out there. So I hope I got the right one. This isn't the one from Ozzy and Harriet. This isn't Ricky Nelson. Oh, this okay. is actually a writer and anthropologist. And his writings really focus on the relationship between people and nature. He said, There may be more to learn from climbing the same mountain a hundred times than by climbing a hundred different mountains. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you liked this podcast, like us on Facebook or review us on iTunes. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. That leads perfectly <laughs> into our top five list. Uh, you can use your voice. <laughs> <laughs> and like you said, if you like somewhat tepid hot cocoa, you can dial it right in to 98.6. Nice. Body temperature hot cocoa. That's, mm. Mm. <laughs> there were a couple of Richard Nelsons, and it took a little bit of sleuthing to make sure that this was the same one that said this, and so I'm really hoping that it is. Is this Ricky Nelson? Ricky Nelson. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Ozzie and Harriet. Ozzie and Harriet. He grew up. <laughs> <laughs>